This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. myself Lauren Jacobs and his voice of change time I hope that you are having a fantastic day you know what on my way here I saw some individuals still wearing their South African rugby shirt you know what if that's you it is okay you're allowed to celebrate all week long or month long right up until August no one is going to judge we can still be in that happy space but you know what this is also going to be a happy great space today I'm joined by two incredible guests actually three incredible guests from two incredible organizations first up is going to be Tracy and Claire and they are from the Zoe project now the Zoe project is based at a number of the maternity units in our very own city helping and working with women who are struggling underprivileged women teenage pregnancies all kinds of pregnancy crises and they are really doing incredible work and I know that Tracy and Claire have a huge passion for this and also what is happening with homeless women on the street who are having children and how we as as people of faith as well as communities can start to think about that how we can engage women who you know are living on the street but are going to have children how and what we should be thinking about when we are talking to you know teenagers as well who are pregnant or who have you know gotten a girl pregnant it's it's a very deep conversation this that oftentimes we shy away from but today on the show we do not want to shy away from this very very important conversation we want to be people who have real conversations with our children and so Tracy and Claire are going to be with me from the Zoe project talking about the work that they do but also more about the challenges that we can take on board as parents and caregivers and people of faith to know how to work with with women women who are wanting to keep their children and women who are not in situations where they are privileged and have things that can just go around it's important this kind of conversation and later on the show, I'm also joined by Natasha King. Now, Natasha is a South African actress, a model, an activist, brand ambassador, business owner, social media influencer, and she is a former Miss South Africa Top 25 finalist. She's also the ambassador of the Revis Giancam Foundation. And, you know, when I asked her onto the show, I really wanted to know, what does the Revis Giancam Foundation really do? And why is Natasha, as an ambassador, so passionate about gender-based violence? Gender-based violence, we know, is a reality in our city in our suburbs in our nation you know and also it's a global reality and it's something that we need to keep on talking about but also it's something that we need to have practical action steps towards we need to know what are we going to do about gender-based violence what are we going to do how are we going to do it when are we going to do it and so that is why i've invited natasha onto the show today to talk all about the work of the foundation she's involved in and also just her personal message as an ambassador of change for us as women and as survivors and victims of gender-based violence. It is about hearing that voice and knowing that people are speaking up and speaking out. So it's going to be a great show today. Stay tuned. I'm with you for the next hour. Enjoy some music and then Tracy and Claire are with me after this. Tracy and Claire from the Zoe Project. It is so good to have you both with me today. I've been really looking forward to spending this time with you. Welcome to the show. I hope that you are doing both really well today. Ah, awesome. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to chat to you. Yeah. Now, now, 
thank you. It's so awesome to have you both here. And I would love to know before we get into the deeper realities of our conversation and really what women are facing, we're going to be touching on women, motherhood, underprivileged moms, helping we're going to be talking about babies. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff today. But before we do that, tell us a bit about what the Zoe Project is all about. What is the mission, the vision? How did it begin? And how are you ladies working on a day-to-day basis? Okay, thank you. The Zoe Project has been in operation for plus minus 20 years at uh, the retreat maternity unit. So what we do, we work um, closely with maternity units in in the Western Cape, so Google to Hanover Park, Mitchell's Plain, and obviously Mowbray, they all fall under that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cover quite a lot of pregnancy crisis, that's where it started, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. um, working within the units, and so we have counsellors, which um, comprise of about um, plus minus seven people at volunteers. We're totally a volunteer organization at retreat and we counsel anything from abortion, adoption, uh, placing uh, moms in, in safe spaces. Mm. Um, yeah, or just one-on-ones. We do antenatal classes and so we educate the moms. Um, and also we have doulas, which are birthing companions Mm-hmm. So it's a progress from counseling. You can get the antenatal, then you can get your doula birthing companion. Um, yeah, we provide mom packs and baby packs for those in need. And um, yeah, we run various projects, feeding um, schemes as well with the moms, pregnant moms, and also into the schools. We run a princess and a princess project. So in a nutshell, anything to do with moms and babies, there's a lot of teenage pregnancies um, yeah, working with other nonprofit um, organizations in the area to bring, you know, empower the women to, to be able to make good choices for themselves and the unborn babies. Mm. Mm. Wow, this is such important work, you know, and, and touches on so many things, touching on education, but also helping mom, assisting, you know, providing packs, you know, providing counseling. It's, it's so incredible because there's so many different arms. And again, the Zoe Project has been going for 20 years, which is incredible. It's a well-established organization. And I'm sure that there are quite a lot of challenges, quite a lot of women that you meet that are facing such incredible difficulties, challenges. And especially, you know, during COVID, we know we've, we've been speaking a lot about the fact that people have lost their jobs and money is getting scarce. And this is a reality that is facing not only um, households, but women as well, single women, moms that want to maybe keep their babies and but, but can't afford to. And so have you seen a big increase in this of women really struggling? And, and there's this real importance that women are actually in households where money is scarce and they want to do the best, but sometimes they don't know how to do that. And is this something that you ladies have been witnessing? Is this an area of work that has increased, you know, during this time as well? Yeah, I think, I think we have seen an an uptake in um, these kind of situations. I think that, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, we, we see these ladies come in and not only do they have issues um, with other things, but also the lack of funding, lack of money, food and, you know, but during COVID, we had a program that we, we worked with Fix Forward and we worked with um, the refugees mm-hmm. and um, 
we actually were able to provide these ladies with um, ShopRite vouchers with 500 rand mm. um, for about six months. And um, because they were not getting any funding from anyone, and so we were able to do that. And so they were able to feed their families um, during during COVID. So, yeah, so that that was awesome for us to be able to work with Fix Forward. But, yeah, um, we do see an uptake in um, people that are suffering um, with, you know, a lack of food and, and those kind of things, most definitely. And I, if I can butt in there, I think, um, you know, the nutrition of the mom and baby is so, so important and people forget about that, you know. Um, while you're pregnant, that's when the most important time is. So I think, um, you know, and there's other, other things as well. So also finances, but also gangsterism is very hectic in the areas that we're working. They can't even walk some days to the hospitals to go and get antenatal. So there's definitely definitely an increase in gangsterism shooting. So therefore there's a decrease in attending antenatal. So mm. there's a decrease in attending antenatal. That's the care of the baby because they just can't get there. Mm. So finances, yes, you've got to take tax. You've got to get there. Um, but I must say I am, I cannot um, say how proud I am of women. They are so strong. There you see them coming down the road, heavily pregnant, walking through, um, things they should not even face just to come for the antenatal. So there's a lot of obstacles and there's definitely an increase in teenage pregnancy. There's an increase in, in drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health is a very, very big one because obviously all those other aspects are causing um, mm-hmm. where, whereas before people wouldn't have acknowledged it. There's definitely um, mental health, depression, anxiety, um, all those, those obstacles mm-hmm. as well. Mm. Sure. This is this is this is uh, very very important that we have in this conversation today because, like you said, finances and it is probably something that people think of firstly. You know, you know, finances is yeah. a problem, but we're also talking about social injustices. We're talking about gangsterism. We're talking about things that are affecting women. And I love what you said, Tracy, about the fact that, you know, that pride that you feel in women and in moms and how strong women rise up and how strong they really, really are and what they do, especially I've seen myself, women, you know, doing things for their unborn children that they carry within them. It's like there's this massive maternal instinct that comes in. How do we remedy the situation? You touched on teenage pregnancies, and and this is a big thing. We hear statistics every single year that come out. We hear this increase. We hear, you know, kind of also talk about why this is happening. Young girls get involved with older men and money and all of these kind of things. What is the what is what have you seen among teenage pregnancies that seems to create um, that you know you're concerned about, but also that we as as people we need to know so that we can begin to understand how we can sort of remedy the situation. We can't look at the government to step in and help. We can't look at the school system to step in and help. What is what is going on? How do we assist as, you know, maybe parents or adults yes. or guardians or, or even people in the church? You know, faith communities yes. have a role to play here. Yes. How do we Absolutely. do this? Okay, and I agree with you 100%. Everybody's got stats, everybody's got, you know, raising their arms up, this thing, that thing, and um, there's a lot we can do about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one, I think being real with the teenagers, um, meeting them at face value, they're coming from dysfunctional 
I mean, it's just is what it is. There's dysfunctional families, number one. So we need to meet them at grassroots, you know. Um, let's talk about sex. Let's um, talk about what's the obstacles, what's going on at home. So we've started a program, the Prince and the Princess Project, so also including the male students, the mm -hmm. youngsters, into the conversation on, you know, how is menstrual cycle? How does it work? Let's not be ashamed. You know, there's a lot of cultures come in, oh, they can't hear about this and they can't hear about that. Let's be open with talking about how the reproductive works. Um, so we started implementing that. And when you do that, um, to me, you've got to be accountable. You've got to work within the community. They've got to know you. They've got to respect mm. you because that's where they open up. So once you've gone in at, at grassroots, you're opening up for them to trust you and want to speak to you. And therefore, you know, the, the counseling rooms are open. They've met you. So we're actually having youngsters, male youngsters coming from the schools asking for help especially mm. in mental health, which is amazing. Yeah. And as far as um, also with the teenage pregnancy, we hold uh, antenatal classes specifically for the teenagers. Mm -hmm. We include the partners. We include the mothers. And instead of criticizing, that baby is there. It's not going yeah. anywhere. They need to come alongside and say, you are a good mom. You can do this. You can mm. and give them tools to birth this baby Talk about going back to school. Let's go and speak to the headmasters. Let's, you know, take one child at a time and and uh, intervene for them. If they don't have parents, let's walk with them. Let's put them back into school. Let's open up options here. Um, so, yeah, stop talking about stuff and start doing it. So a lot of criticism comes out of the churches as well, where they're shy to go back to church, where mm. they're ostracized because of that. That baby ain't going anywhere. So instead of let's welcome, let's stop judging, I think, you know, when the verse says love covers a multitude of sin, I think that's our, I think when you're walking in it and there's mm. shame again, mm. um, generational stuff, we need to love and break those curses and we need to actually walk with these, with these youngsters to, to see that they've got an identity, you know, mm. that, you know, if they don't understand how their brain works, never mind, you know, their private parts, they know mm. how that works, but mm. um, how does your brain work? Where do you feel? You don't feel in your heart, you know, and they have no idea that their frontal lobe works this way. And this is where your emotions and, you know, why does it say this on alcohol and how does how does the whole brain work? So we go in and we actually teach them something practical, something intellectual that they can grab hold of and make a decision for themselves moving forward. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and I think also the doulas and the birthing companions, we specifically, our teenagers um, at the maternity units under the age of 15, they get transferred to Mowbray because mm -hmm. there's danger. So if you're talking in the groups at schools, they need to know what it's like to be pregnant under 15 is just as dangerous as being over 45. Mm -hmm. And they, it's, it's not, you know, and it's just acceptable. And another thing, sorry, I know I talk a lot, but I'm very <laughs> passionate about Another thing, it's not reported, and mm -hmm. we have the rules in place. Under mm -hmm. 16, rape, okay? Yeah. But it's not reported. And why is it not reported? Because it's accepted in the community. The parents are accepting it. Um, and, yeah, they know if they are 13 and their partner is 14, it's actually okay. It's consensual sex. It has to be two years above yeah. when it's not. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a 14-year-old and an 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, that's my boyfriend. 
Mm. And it's not their first sexual partner and the parents are allowing this. But the parents are doing nothing about it. You know, they're not Mm. standing up. I mean, if you go into some states in America, they don't ask questions. If you're under 16, that, you know, the boy will get arrested. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, uh, it's about pride with the boys and how they've scored with the girls, you know, Mm. when we've come across that in the Prince Project Um, It's an immaturity of the brain development and we need to understand teenagers are not fully developed and we try and speak to them like they are. And they, that's why they think they, they know her harm can like no harm can come. They can use no condoms and they won't get pregnant. And you think, Mm. how does that work? Because Mm. their brain is not developed to make intellectual decisions. proper decisions and so we need to understand that side of it as well before we criticize and Mm. and be an example maybe as well (laughs) Mm. I love I love what you are saying here as well it's just a bit of an understanding that we need to have and there's a lot of things that we can do and I think a big thing is to have open conversations with our children as well and to have these real conversations with them uh, you know I know that I guess the generation above me kind of, you know, had that whole thing of we don't talk about money and we don't talk about sex, you know, so there's two most important things in life you really need to hear about. But, you know, it was just a generation that we don't talk about these things. We don't, we don't talk about money. We don't say how much money we have and we don't talk to our children about this and that, but it's important for, for, us to have those conversations and to be real about these things as well. And we are talking as well about there's a challenge to parents in this in different communities that, and in all communities and societies that, you know, you have to be real, but you also have to acknowledge what is happening and you need to know your children. And I think that it's important that we have these kind of conversations. Teenage pregnancy is a big deal in South Africa. And like you're saying, you know, underage, no reporting, there's something we've got to deal with here. It's, you know, a mindset that we have to shift. And I I was thinking as well about, you know, women who live on the street, homeless women particularly. And I was thinking as well that oftentimes you do see homeless women and maybe uh, husbands and wives that land up on the street together. And sometimes they have children on the street. Now, I'd love to hear your opinion on that. You know, have you encountered that? Because I know that there's a lot of criticism about that as well. And uh, we hold space for that. And we say, yes, we understand that there is criticism for that. And we, we are listening to everyone, you know, what they have to say, because if a person is homeless and they don't have a home to bring a child to, they have to raise a child on the street. And that is a very, very precarious situation. Have you ladies encountered this? What is your sense on this? Do you help women who are on the street as well? And uh, yeah, this is something that a lot of people are concerned about. And obviously they have that concern. What's going to happen to children born on the street? Mm. Okay, you know, one thing that also I feel very strongly about is, and you often hear it in the hospitals, like the nurse will say, oh, you got nowhere to go. Why are you having a child? Why are you having another child? Why do you, mm. you know what I'm saying? There again, that whole um, harsh judgment. Mm. Um, but you know what? Something I learned, that child, that baby, is the something that they can love unconditionally. Mm. And that's quite powerful. A woman needs to know that she's loved. She needs to nurture. 
it's it, it's within our DNA to nurture and love. Now you're living on the street. There's abuse. There's drugs. There's this. You and you think I want to keep this baby. I and maybe it's selfish thing, but I need to be loved and I want to love this baby. And you know, we don't have a right to say who's having babies and who's not and why we shouldn't be doing that. Rather, you know, um, so definitely we do come across. Uh, ladies in the street and unfortunately they don't come to the clinics because they're criticized mm. uh, maybe they're not clean enough maybe they're not or they haven't done their bookings I mean how do they get there in the first place so they're usually unbooked when you know or the ambulance will come to the street or they come in at the last minute and then they also get condemned and shouted at Da, 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 da. That is not the way, you know, we are supposed mm. to treat each other with dignity. We all say that, what would Jesus do? We all say the things that we should say, but are we actually practicing in that? Because if we didn't have that attitude, they would be booking earlier. Um, another thing I would say, yes, we've had a couple of ladies in the street that have actually gone ahead and done adoptions with us. Mm. Um, and that becomes because we built a relationship with them. I would go out and I would meet them where they are. They didn't have to come to me. So we would go out, um, you know, and actually build a relationship, talk about the options. Um, and, yeah, so we have definitely had two successful um, in, in the Musenberg Court Bay area um, where they made that decision for themselves. Mm. Um, and if they, they're keeping their baby, I'm going to give you this one example. I was talking about it today to one of my interns. Um, they called me in from the clinic, obviously unbooked. It was pouring with rain. It was really miserable. It was a winter day last year. And um, they were like really concerned because the staff can be really nice as well. Mm. Don't get me wrong. They mm. are concerned. So what is quite cool that they would call our counselors in and say, please just chat to this lady about X, Y, and Z. So I just put my arms around her and she was crying. I said, she said, I love my baby. I said, I mm. totally get that. Um, you know, where do you stay and this thing and that thing. And I gave her a, a bag of brand new stuff. So our bag is full of brand new items. That baby is a gift from God. You don't want to put on broken mm. items. So I mm. think I'm quite passionate about that as well. Give something from that you would accept for your own children yeah. and wrapped him up and da, 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 da. And I gave him a card and I said, look, I am here and this is where I am on Tuesdays. I'm usually there here at this, this. And off she went. Well, and I walked into the office on Tuesday there. She's sitting outside my office door and she's crying and she's saying to me, she can't look after the baby. She realizes, you know, this is harder than she thinks. So I said to her, okay, come, do you want me to take you to a safe home and you can make a decision moving forward? She was mm -hmm. adamant that she didn't want to, but she wanted to go back where her community is, where her people are. That's the, that's what she had chosen. That was what, you know, where she wanted to be, mm -hmm. but she loved that child enough. And actually that baby went up for adoption, um, as well so you know she wouldn't have come back if if i said something mean or something like it so we need to really learn how to speak to each other and they are part of our community and yeah. um yeah Mm. thank you so much for sharing that as well that is so important for us to hear and it also i love the fact that you know you ladies are also providing wonderful clothes for babies like you just said 
you know, you don't want a child to have broken clothes. There, there needs to be dignity. There needs to be care. And as well as we need to access how someone else's heart is, how their mind is and what they are thinking and saying. That lady was saying to you, I love my baby. I love my child. I, I want to care for my, for my baby. It's not a case of I don't care or I'm leaving my baby yeah. somewhere else. It was a, a, a fact of accessing and getting into her mind and her thoughts. And the challenge that you're also giving us today is very important for us to think about, you know, that criticism, that shame that we put on people and the way that we can do this. And especially as faith communities, as we need to think as well, faith communities need to think of how to be involved in the conversation, how to be involved in maybe, you know, educating people in their own communities and within the churches as well. You know, you have women's groups and meetings. It would be lovely to have these kind of conversations there as well. And so, Claire and Tracy, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today because this has been really informative and really fantastic. And I would love to know from you both if anybody wants to get in touch with the Zoe Project, find out more, or maybe, you know, get involved somehow, how do they go about doing that? Okay, to get hold of us, um, we are at Retreat um, MOU. Mm-hmm. I'm 11th at Retreat. Um, we are there seven days a week from 8 30 till five and then also yeah just pop pop around um on our website as well we have a website the zoe project we're also on facebook um yeah so we we out there and yeah you can just walk in and there will be someone to speak to you there will be someone to to just have a chat and find out what what you need um so yeah everyone is welcome and there's no judgment and we try and give dignity as you were saying to everyone Hmm. um that that comes there no matter where you come from you are a person um that that god has sent our way and so we will treat you that way um Hmm. yeah that's the zoe project thank you so much that is so so awesome so go on over to the website the Zoe Project.co.za, even the Zoe Project on Facebook or Instagram. If you like social media like myself, go on over and connect and, you know, even give a follow and see what these ladies are doing. It's absolutely incredible. And again, thank you so much to you both. I wish you nothing but the best for the continued amazing work that you are doing. And thank you for being here today. Thank Thank you, you, Lauren. We really appreciate it. Thank Thank you so much. Natasha, it's so good to have you with me today here on the show on Voice of Change. I'm looking forward to having a great conversation about some things that are very, very close to your heart. Some incredibly, incredibly important work that you are doing as well, not only just here in Cape Town, but also nationally. Before we get into that, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Now, you have a very, very strong heart for women and women's empowerment, as well as gender-based violence towards the beginning of the show. When I was introducing you, I was telling everybody that you are an ambassador for the Reverse TNCAM Foundation organization, which we're going to touch on in our you know, conversation today. But firstly, before we get to that, I would love to know, you know your personal journey to have a real heart and a passion for gender-based violence. I know that many South African women are affected by gender-based violence, but what was your journey? How, you know, was this something that you really felt was just something you needed to get involved in? Yes, I've always had a passion for women empowerment and for women um, to realize their true power, you know, um, to, to know that they have a voice and they deserve to be heard. Um, and I think creating using my platform to create 
that and hold the space for women um, is something that I'm really passionate about, you know, because I believe that that women yeah, are powerful and we change a nation, you know. Um, and I think when women are encouraged to take up space and use their voice um, and society is encouraged to listen to that, um, it can have a ripple effect of, of necessary change, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, if you go back in history, women have had to fight for rights, you know, and mm-hmm. we've come a long way, but there's still work to be done in the specific area you know um for women to be treated equally to um have women respected and valued for who we are and what we do in society you know mm-hmm. I love what you're saying here because there's still work to be done and I think that that is something that we kind of need to hear something we need to be reminded about because people think oh well you know we've come such a far way and we do see great changes and we we are grateful for those changes but there is still work to be done and especially when it comes to gender-based violence in South Africa we consistently see how this is affecting and really is like the president said our second pandemic and I think that that's a challenge we have to meet as well how do we deal with this and what do we do what is our part what is our action absolutely and i think you know um if you look at the statistics it's scary in terms of south Af- it's more of a problem in south africa than it is globally you know mm-hmm. um according to the statistics so i think you know and it's one of these things where women empowerment is not just for women to know but it's for men to know as well because we actually need men to stand alongside us against mm-hmm things like gender-based violence, you know, um, because men can mentor men, you know, um, mm. men can challenge men um, in terms of like cigar bar lounges or locker rooms um, where it's just men. Um, you know, women, women, unfortunately, as women, it's not enough for just us to stand against this. We mm. need to stand together against this. You know, it needs to be, like you said, it's the second pandemic. And I think, um, you know, evil thrives when good people do nothing. If we want change, we need to implement that change and be part of it. Mm, exactly. And encourage everyone. Yeah, to, sorry. To exactly. It's about being part of it. Now, you are the ambassador, like I keep saying, for the Reverse Gencom Foundation. And that is a very important role. And it's something that is very, very a big passion for you as well. But I know that you kind of were led to the foundation and organization during your time being a Miss SA contestant and being a finalist. Tell us a bit about that in your journey towards finding the organization. We know Reva was a obviously a public figure. But really what happened, you know, that that day, I think, is a moment that many South Africans will not forget because of that um, connection that so many people felt to Oscar. And then when we heard this news on Valentine's Day, it, it's, um, it was something that shocked so many of, of us. And it, it's important that we reflect on what that really means and also her life. But how were you led towards this? Do you remember when you heard the news about Reva and her her death and what happened? Do you remember that day? Because I kind of feel like so many people remember exactly what they were doing on that day. So I, I yeah, yes, funny enough, I do remember that day. And I think, um, you know, I, I think... 
it did shock people. And I think a lot of people have opinions or speculations about what went down. Hmm. I, I don't really because um, I wasn't there. And I think it's easy for people to form a judgment or speculation. Um, but at the end of the day, we will never know the truth um, mm. of the events that happened. And so I rather focus not on that and not on how Reva's life ended, but what she did with her life, what she stood for. And the, and that is the, the foundation and the work they do is the essence of who Reva was, you know. Mm. I mean, a lot of people know Reva was a socialite and a model, but not many people know she was also a law graduate um, in the process of, approaching the bar and becoming a full licensed attorney, you know? Mm. Um, and um, I really was um, drawn to the foundation during my Mrs. SA um, journey because the, the Mrs. South Africa is not a pageant. It's not a beauty pageant. It's a woman empowerment mm. and entrepreneurship program. And it teaches women, um, you know, how beautiful and powerful we really are. And And the thing about it is, most women, when they get in like relationships or they get married and they have kids, everything becomes about their partner and their kids. Um, and, and as much as that's important, um, very often women can put themselves last or forget, you know, that they were a person before they got married and had kids and that person still matters and they should be encouraged to still stand up for that person and love that person and value that person, you know, um, and be and like I said before, be encouraged to use their voice at all levels, you know, mm. um, and and know that they have something of importance to add value, you know, um, and and so and and for me personally, that's what the Mrs. South Africa journey was. It was something mm. that grew me, challenged me, you know, made me realize just how capable I am of achieving greatness, you know, and mm. and gave me a sisterhood of other phenomenal beautiful women um who i'm friends with to this day and and it truly showed how powerful women are when we stand together when we're not competing but when we rather collaborating and working together and supporting one each other and and you know um bringing each other up and all of that um that's where the power lies that's where the difference comes in you know mm-hmm. um and, and yeah, and, and so I found the River Rebecca Stenkamp Foundation during my journey as a finalist. And um, I think Riva was this remarkable, beautiful woman inside and out. And I think the work that she was passionate about um, is really, really important. And I love that the foundations continue in her work to keep her legacy alive, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, and and, I, and, and like I said earlier, I think that's how you make a difference is mm. by implementing change and encouraging other people because it will have a ripple effect. You don't know whose life you change and who they go on to change, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and, and so that's, that's my passion. My passion is women empowerment. My passion is for young girls and women all around to know their worth, to know that they have value, to know that they – can change a nation you know mm-hmm. um yeah i love that and what i love is something you mentioned as well and maybe it's it's just something to touch on and highlight that 
you know, it, it is about creating change for others. And, you know, the legacy of Reva continues, even though she might not physically be with us anymore. And the, the beautiful lesson, I guess, from that is that we don't always know how deeply our lives can impact others. And often we read in history, you know, we read such powerful examples of people who did incredible things and yet their, their legacy and yet their you know, their seeds that they planted actually only reaped a harvest after they were gone, after they had passed away, but yet other people still glean from the things that they did or the lessons they taught or the messages they left behind or the work that they did or even something done in their legacy and in their name. And I think that, you know, I, I kind of wanted to pause on that and just say maybe to someone who is listening that whatever you do in life, it's not for nothing. There is always something that you are sowing and it can create change and it can make a difference. And it's something that we need to be reminded of because sometimes we can so feel like we're doing stuff and not getting anywhere. Like what is my purpose on this planet? Or, or I'm living my purpose, but really, really, really like, does it really make a difference? You know, am I really making a difference? And I think that again, like you saying, you know, the Reva's legacy is continuing through the foundation and this is important. Now, Speaking of the foundation, what is the daily work of the foundation? What does that really look like? You know, what is the foundation doing? Who does it focus on? And what is its aim? Okay, so the foundation strives to be Reva's voice by continuing the work in educating and empowering women and children against violence and abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, So they believe that they can break the cycle of violence and abuse through education, through um, getting victims out of their situations, providing them with survival kits they have something called the reva pack which is a survival kit of what victims need to know to get out of their situations and like for example to know that they have the right to a safe environment you know mm-hmm. um and and then also to teach them to teach them skills so they can become self supporting and empower them in that sense you know um so that they can really start their lives over and they don't have to remain a victim of a bad situation you know Um, and then on top of that, um, so, so that's their primary focus is to, to really drive that through. And then on top of that, what they do once a year is they award, um, something called the Reva bursary to a female, um, student who wants to study law, but, um, wouldn't have the means to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, this is, this is reinforcing that, education and empowering someone you know to change their lives to be more than their situation you know um mm. so so that is the main focus and and also the foundation it, it doesn't just focus on um abuse against women and children it, it it focuses on breaking the cycle of abuse and violence across the board because the reality is that men can also be abused boys can also be abused and while we don't statistically we hear more of children and women being abused it doesn't mean it doesn't happen to men you know so for them it's not about one gender or anything like that it's about how do we stop this across the board how do we change this how do we help those that find themselves victims to these situations to get out of it and no longer be a victim and empower them to heal and change their lives and take back their power you know Mm. and move forward Mm. um and and I think that's incredible because a lot of these um, people that have gone through abuse and violence, you know, you I think, you know, it, it affects your self-esteem. You think 
maybe you deserve this. You think you can't get out of it. You think even if I leave, then what, you know? Um, And I think it really helps when you have someone saying, let me help you, you know, let me give you the tools that you need. Um, Let me provide you with information of safe havens you can go to. Let me help you change your life and heal so that you can feel empowered and, and go on to empowering others. Because I think this is the other thing. When you've gone through something like this yourself, you are the best person to help someone else out of it once you've gotten out of it. Mm-hmm. Because you know where they're at. You know what it took for you to get out of that situation. So you know what it will take them. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And it's so, so important, again, that we we really, really do recognize and even we recognize right here today that, you know, men are victims and survivors as well. And it's a topic we talk about a lot here on Voice of Change, different men sharing their voices and their stories. And it's super, super important that we empower every single human being who is facing this gender-based violence, because it is such an incredible reality that we are sitting with. And it's an incredible reality because we kind of think to ourselves, there is so much empowerment, there is so much information, but yet we always say as well, which is so important that you have to believe the first step of getting out of an abusive relationship is believing that you deserve a better life. And I think that that's super important as well. And you you touched on that. And so this brings me to really wanting to know what do you guys have up your sleeve soon? I know that we're coming towards Women's Month and I know it's an important time where people begin to go, okay, what can I do for Women's Month? You know, towards the end of July, everyone starts gearing up. Do you guys have some important things planned? Are you doing something? What is up your sleeve? Yes, so we do have something planned. Um, so on the 30th of July, we are hosting a charity gala dinner and night of entertainment in aid of the River Rebecca Steenkamp Foundation. And the, the point of this night is for people to dress up, glitz and glam and all, enjoy a fine dining three-course meal and um, a goodie bag and, um, and, and then watch a performance of an amazing vocalist from Joburg who's going to be performing um, Reva's favorite songs with, um, with a prestigious musical academy. And that will be the entertainment for the night. And then we'll end the night off with um, a lucky draw where amazing prizes can be won from our sponsors. And it's really like the best – August is Women's Month. So it's almost – it's a really nice way to enter Women's Month And then on top of that, um, you know, Reva's birthday was in August. So, so again, it's, it's a night where we can celebrate the foundation, um, help them continue the amazing work they are doing, you know, by raising funds for them. And, and on that night, this year's recipient of the Reva bursary will be announced on the night as well, Mm. which is really special. And the, the funds that are raised that night are going to go to this bursary for this individual to change Mm. her life. Wow. That is so, so incredible, Natasha. And I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. If anybody wants to know more, get in touch with you, know more about the foundation, know even about the gala dinner or about, you know, the bursary or how to get involved. Tell us how do people go about doing that? Okay. So um, should they want to know more on the foundation? Should they want to, um, 
get a table at the event or a ticket or any of that, they can contact me directly on um, 072-7979536 or my email address, which is nkingstyles or one word at gmail.com. Hmm. So can you just repeat that number for us again? 072? 072-7979536. 072 or the email is nkingstyles or small letters, one word at gmail.com. Awesome. Natasha, all the best for this incredible work that you are doing and the way that you are shaping life for many, many different people. I want to say thank you so much and all the best as well for this incredible gala event that sounds so fantastic. And not only just about, you know, the gala event, but it's giving back to someone else's life, them getting a bursary and also continuing the work of the foundation, which is incredibly important. And here on the radio, we love to just, you know what, come alongside and say thank you to all the foundations doing incredible work, all the organizations, all the individuals uplifting life for other people as well as working towards eradicating gender-based violence and also any kind of violence against women, men and children. And we are so grateful. So thank you so much to you, Natasha. Thank you so much to the foundation. And from my side, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on your show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and take care. You too. Okay. It's been a lovely show and I've loved every single minute of having these incredible women with me and enjoying these conversations, being challenged, being inspired, being encouraged, and also just having my heart warmed by, and I say this often on the show because it's very, very important to me and I know for many of you as well, we have our hearts warmed by the fact that there are people doing incredible work in our communities. Not only in our communities, but oftentimes that work is impacting on our greater society and on, you know, directly on people's lives. And today it's a, it's really impactful, the conversations that we've had, particularly for women's lives and also for men's lives. But so important is this reality of fighting against gender-based violence. But also earlier on the show, we were talking about how to engage with young girls that are pregnant how to go about helping how to go about you know being a voice of change and being hands of change and actionable change and I pray that some of those challenges will be taken up by us if we are not you know trying to be change yet in our society and in our communities even in our our family or in our faith community maybe even in our bible study group or in our cell group let's think about how we can bring about changes let's connect with foundations and organizations maybe you know donate sanitary realities that you know organizations really do need sanitary pads and they need reusable things and obviously for someone like the zoe project it is about specific kind of sanitary wear for women who are going to have babies and they have needs for that as well and then also how we can really get involved in the conversation and like i always want to challenge you always 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 as a faith community maybe you even a faith leader is to have conversations about gender-based violence in your community. Don't let the days go by. Don't let the time pass you by where we don't have those conversations about gender-based violence, where we help survivors, where we empower victims, and where we hold those who are perpetrators accountable, and where we do our utmost best to bring about changes in our society, in our communities, in our families, and the greater vision is actually not only just South Africa, but changing the world. And that 
you know, we know is impossible with people, but with God, all things are possible. Today, let's believe in the impossible. I hope that you've had a wonderful, wonderful day and time with me today. I've loved every minute of it. And so enjoy the rest of what we have to offer you here on Cape Pulpit. TC is up at the yellow mic later on, and that's going to be an exciting show as well. So you want to stick around for that. Until next week, take care. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.